you know, we're seeing again the just the shadows of the coming tribulation. It seems like every week that goes by, more people are being killed, more people are being robbed, more people are being raped and so forth. <laughs> it ain't nothing yet. When the church is removed and salt and light is gone, hell will have a holiday and the worst time in human history will unfold, but men did not repent of those things. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. As many of us know, we are in the church age. But as Dr. Brogy points out today, the next great event in the prophetic schedule is the rapture of the church. Let's join Pastor Carl now as he continues. So chapter 5 reveals how Jesus has the title deed to the earth. Now remember, Adam initially had authority over the earth, but because he yielded to the sin of Satan, it was taken from man and it was given to the evil one. And so in the temptation, when Satan said, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, that was a real legitimate offer because Adam had lost it to Satan. But here's the Lord Jesus, because as this chapter will unfold, as the Redeemer with his own blood, he paid the price, the scroll is given to him. And so John stops weeping and heaven explodes with praise. Look at verses 12 and 13 here in chapter 5. Now they're giving the same ascriptions to the Father that they gave to the Son, for they are equal. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne, chapter 4, they worship the Father as the creator. Here in chapter 5, they're worshiping Jesus as the redeemer. Let everything give praise and glory to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. So here they are worshiping the Lamb. And now as we step into chapter 6, as he begins to open this scroll, and we studied it in depth how only one seal at a time can be seen. And one seal at a time is revealed. And so beginning in chapter 6, you see these seals unfolding, seven seal judgments, followed by seven trumpet judgments, followed by seven bold judgments. And if you miss that, you'll get lost and confused. And as we work through the tri great tribulation period, we saw how the seal, trumpet, and bold judgments would unfold in series of seven. They're in consecutive order. For example, the trumpet judgments cannot happen until the seventh seal is broken. And the bold judgments cannot happen until the seventh trumpet is blown. And so as this slide shows, the first four seals are labeled as the four horsemen, popularly called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, seal number one is the Antichrist. Seal number two is war. Seal number three is devastation. And seal number four is death. 
And so this term, the four horsemen, has become literally an idiom for the advent of wars and terrible events to happen. And so these seals are open and these four riders ride out on different color horses. And God unleashes these four ghoulish, gruesome, ghastly riders who bring judgments to the world. The first four seals, again, the four horsemen, the fifth seal being martyrdom. And so, again, in the fourth four seals, you see uh, death and uh, the Antichrist and war and devastation and death. And then in the fifth seal, you see martyrdom. Who's being martyred? People who are converted during the tribulation. They're called saints, not church saints. They are tribulation saints who've been martyred for their faith. And then in the sixth seal, we studied cosmic changes. A number of cosmic changes happened during this seven-year period with the highlight of all the cosmic changes happening at the second coming. But initially, wonders that are taking place in the heaven. And then uh, between the sixth and the seventh seal, as you can see here, Revelation 7 tells you what's been going on during this time. And so John, using a typical Jewish style of writing, will sometimes unfold truth, and then he'll step back and tell you what was going on during that time. And that's what you have in the seventh chapter, this pause, so to speak, not in time, but a pause to reflect what has been happening during this time. And so we're told in Revelation 7 and verse 4, and I heard the number of those who are sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Who are these people? These are Jewish men who are converted after the rapture of the church, and they take the gospel to the whole world, and people who had never before heard the gospel in clarity and in power are converted by the millions. And so you learn of the fruit of their witness in verse 9 of chapter 7. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches in their hands. Now again, we studied in the tribulation that it divides into two halves. The first half is unfolded by Jesus, by Daniel, by John is three and a half years. The second half is three and a half years. And in the Olivet Discourse, we studied how the sealed judgments that happened in the first half of the tribulation with the trumpet and bowls in the second half, these sealed judgments perfectly parallel the birth pangs that Jesus describes. Here's a chart to help us to visualize it. The first rider on the white horse, he is a picture of false messiahs and the Antichrist himself. The second rider on the red horse, he is a picture of the wars that are going to come like the world has never seen. The third rider on the black horse is a picture of famine. And so Jesus spoke of famines that will happen during this time like the world has never seen. The fourth seal is the pale horse of death. And so death from these wars, from these famines will be across the planet. Uh, Then Jesus speaks in Matthew 24, 9 and 10 about martyrs. And we just spoke of these who are in heaven waving palm branches who have been martyred during the time of the tribulation period. Then there are these cosmic changes as the six seal pictures. There's the worldwide preaching of the gospel. How will that happen? We've been trying to fulfill the Great Commission since the first century. 
These 144,000 Jewish men will preach the gospel during this time. This gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, will go out to the whole world. And then the end, not the rapture, the second coming will take place. And then right in the middle of this seven-year period, there's the abomination of desolation. When this antichrist goes into the temple, claims to be God, and when that happens, look out, everything changes. It goes from sealed judgments to a greater intensity. So we're not in the birth pangs yet. We're in a pregnancy. To have birth pangs, you have to have a pregnancy. But the birth pangs, clearly according to the Lord Jesus, do not start until this time of tribulation. And they get more and more and more intense, as we will see. Then you step into chapter 8, and it opens rather dramatically. Look at chapter 8 and verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And so here is a picture of the seven trumpet judgments. Remember, in the seventh seal, you see seven judgments, trumpet judgments. And in the seventh trumpet are contained seven bowls. Unlike the seals where you can see just one at a time, when the seventh seal is broken, you can see all seven trumpets. And in the seventh trumpet, you can see all seven bowls. And it's so intense, it's like... <gasps> Silence in heaven for the space of 30 minutes. The place had been exploding with music and praise, but what they are looking at is so awesome. They're like holding their breath, their lips are sealed. Look at chapter 8 and verse 7. Follow along. The first trumpet is sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. And they were thrown to the earth, and the third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. That's a judgment on vegetation that you cannot live without. Verse 8, the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So now God brings a judgment on a third of the seas which become blood, and a third of the creatures in the sea will die. And here's man who has worshipped the creation, especially in the last hundred years. They denied God as creator through evolution, and now there's a whole religion called green where men worship the creation, and God says, you want to worship? I'll show you who's in charge of the creation. Then in verse 10, the third angel sounds his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on a third of the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. This now is a judgment not on the salt waters, but on the freshwater rivers and all the freshwater sources, and they're made bitter, and a third of them are destroyed. Verse 12, the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were struck so that a third of them would be darkened and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. So John is telling us that God is going to manipulate the celestial bodies above where they operate at a diminished rate. In essence, God is saying, you love darkness, I'm going to give you a little darkness to meditate on. 
And these are people who are in rebellion. And so planet Earth will go from the normal cycles of light that we enjoy only to having eight hours of light each day. Look at chapter 8, verse 13. We hear this angel cry out, Woe! Woe! Woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpets, trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Basically, he's saying, if you think you've seen something, you haven't seen anything yet. Because what you're going to see in the last three trumpets and what's unfolded in the final trumpet, these seven bowls, it's nothing the world could ever, ever imagine. And so look at Revelation chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. He, this star, verse 1, one of the terms used to describe an angel. He, this star, opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit. The pit here is the word abusus. We sometimes speak of this place as the abyss. The pit was open like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Verse 3, then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. Contextually, these are demons who come in the form of locusts, and power was given to them as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. Look, at these are the worst of demons. A man may take a gun and try to put it to his head, but a demon won't let him pull the trigger. No one will even be able to commit suicide during this time. Now, if you're with us in our series, we saw that there are four principal places that demons will find themselves. There are those today who are in the heavenly realms, Daniel 10, Ephesians 6, or they are waging war against the church, against God's people. There is one class of demons we studied that are in Tartarus. They are in eternal chains because of a heinous, wicked sin that they committed during the time of Noah that Second Peter and Jude give us divine commentary on. Then there are those who are in the abyss. This is a certain class of demons that are like bad dudes. Remember on that day when Jesus is at Gadara and these two Gerardine demoniacs who are possessed, they plead, don't put us in the abyss. Why? Because if you're in the abyss, you have no freedom to wage war until this coming time that we just read. And then the final resting place of demons that we studied is the lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. None are there yet. No one is there yet. But there's coming a day when they will be there. Then in verse 13, we, just, we studied the sixth trumpet being blown. And one angel releases four angels. And we're told here in, we'll drop down to verse 15. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. Those people who should have come to their senses did not, and so we read in verse 21, and they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. You know, we're seeing again the, just the shadows of the coming tribulation. It seems like every week that goes by, more people are being killed, more people are being robbed, more people are being raped, and so forth. <laughs> it ain't nothing yet. When the church is removed and salt and light is gone, hell will have a holiday 
And the worst time in human history will unfold, but men did not repent of those things. This slide then shows us this next interlude. You'll see, again, between the sixth and the seventh trumpet are chapters 10 through 14. And again, God is giving us a picture, almost a double parenthesis, of what is unfolding upon the earth. In chapter 10, if you were here in this series, we studied the angel in the little book. And I want you to notice what the angel asked the apostle John to do. Look at verse 9. So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. When I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. So John said the taste was both sweet and bitter because when we as believers are in glory with Jesus, it will be sweet, but those who are on the earth, it will be bitter. Christ deserves to receive the glory that is due his name, and we will be able to give it. It will be a sweet time, but it will be a time of absolute devastation for those who are left behind. Then in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3, uh, before the seventh trumpet is blown, we learn of two witnesses. And these two witnesses, like the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, are used to share the gospel during the tribulation period for three and a half years, for 42 months. And their names, again, he's looking back to the first half of the tribulation. They're there in the first half, and their names, I suggested to you, were Moses and Elijah. You say, why do you say that? Well, number one, we know Elijah is going to return. The book of Malachi and the book of Matthew teach the second coming of Elijah the prophet. Malachi recorded these words, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet, hundreds of years after he had been dead and gone to heaven. I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it's interesting to note in the verse before Malachi 4.4, that the prophet makes mention of Moses. And of course, Jesus himself said in Matthew 17, 11, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. John the Baptist came in the power and spirit of Elijah, but Elijah is coming and will restore all things. So it's interesting too that when Jesus wants to speak of his coming kingdom, which happens after this seven year period, he meets two men, Moses and Elijah, where on the Mount of Transfiguration to discuss this coming kingdom. And so while Christians may debate who these two men are, though these two men perfectly mimic the kinds of miracles and ministries that Moses and Elijah did, while they may debate as to who they are, no one can debate as to what they do. And they'll be murdered for preaching Jesus. Look at verse 8. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, that's Jerusalem, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. Leaving their dead bodies there will be out of mockery, out of disdain, out of utter contempt for what these men did for preaching the gospel. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate. They will send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. This will be the devil's Christmas party. And they'll send gifts to one another. Our problems are over. Remember, the middle point has it had. He's looking back. Our problems are over. They watch him. The cameras of the world are focused on them. Their bodies get hard. They get stiff. They begin to bloat. They begin to turn colors. 
But after the three and a half days, verse 11, the breath of life from God came into them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were watching them. They stand at their feet, and the party's over, and you know they're in shock and dismay. Verse 12, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. Then they went up into heaven in the cloud, and their enemies watched them. I love it, this loud voice from heaven, much like a loud voice outside the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Come up here. And there they go. The cameras of the world will be focused on them, and the world will be in shock. God is giving them a picture, and God sends these angels to come and carry them there. You know, when you die, I mentioned it a few weeks ago at a funeral. You never die alone. God always sends some of his holy angels, as pictured in Luke 16, to carry you into heaven. My wife and I found great comfort in that truth when our granddaughter passed that she didn't die alone in that crib at 21 months old. The angels of God carried her directly into God's presence. And so these two men, they go to heaven on a dream liner. They go in the clouds. And what God is doing is reenacting the rapture. Their bodies are translated in a moment's time. This is what had happened some years before. Maybe they'll comprehend it. Maybe they won't. Then the seventh trumpet is blown in verse 15. However, between Revelation 11 and 15, when the seventh trumpet is sounded, which again will bring about the seven bowls described in chapter 16, there's some more intervening chapters. And just like chapter 7 was an interlude, chapters 10 to 14, they don't represent an interlude of time. They are giving an explanation of what has been happening during this time. And again, as you can see on this chart, the trumpet judgment start at the midpoint in the 70th week, seven years of tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. And right in the middle of those seven years, as Daniel the prophet affirms, as Paul the apostle teaches, as Jesus said, this one world leader will go into a temple and he'll claim to be God. And so during the first half, there's religion. It's the religion of the harlot. It's a one world eclectic religion. And one of the messages in this series is the great religious reset. We saw the popes of Rome who have been gathering for several decades and most recently in Kakistan just last November. Hundreds of world leaders from across the planet who are religious heads. Remember, this one world religion is going to be headquartered, the Bible says, on a city built on seven hills. I suspect it will be Rome. Not that the Pope is the Antichrist, but he could certainly be the one world leader. He has a false religion. He denies salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Nonetheless, initially in the first three and a half years, all religions will be one. They'll all be represented, the Hindu, the Buddhist, you name it. You, you, you want to meditate on your belly button. You can do whatever you want to do, but in the middle point, everything changes. He'll go into the temple of God and claim to be God, and now there's one religion. It's the religion of the Antichrist himself. And so in 1115, before we get to the seven trumpets that start in chapter 16, we get this second parenthesis of sorts where we're introduced to seven critical key players during the time of the tribulation. And so in chapters 12 through 14, seven major players 
who are basically, God is pulling back the curtain and giving you a behind the scenes view of who they are and where they came from. So again, please understand the sequential order of the seal and the trumpet and the bold judgments does not negate this review of events that is happening. And so chapter 12, turn to chapter 12, he goes back and he picks up some more details before the seven bowls of wrath. And he highlights Satan and his incessant persecution against Israel and against the people of God. He's always been against the people of God. We studied a fall of Satan in chapter 12 and verse 4 when his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. When Satan rebelled, a third of all of God's holy demons went with him. And if you remember in that chapter of Scripture, the woman is the nation of Israel who um, gives the child who is the Lord Jesus, and Satan is against the child, the Lord Jesus, from the start. And it results in this great war that again is in the future during the tribulation. Look at verse seven. And there was a war in heaven, Michael and his archangels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. Who is the great dragon? The serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So Satan and his demons have a war in heaven with Michael and his angels. The holy angels went out, and for the first time ever, Satan is cast out of the heavenly realms, and literally he's on the planet with his demons. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him, and they will attempt, especially during this time, to wipe out Israel. And so here's another slide if you're with us in the series. We studied the six stages of Satan's career. There was one time when he was the anointed cherub leading praise and worship in heaven, a magnificent angel. But then Lucifer became Satan. We usually think of the word Lucifer as a dark name. That was actually his unfallen name. That was his holy name. But Lucifer became Satan. Why? Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, and the passage we just read, the devil wanted to usurp the place of God. And then there's coming a time when he will fall out of the heavenly realms, literally physically to the earth during the tribulation, here in the second half of the tribulation. Then Satan restri- will be restricted for a thousand years at the abyss. When Jesus comes back at the second coming, he'll take the devil and put him in the abyss for a period of time. Then as the next slide shows, stage five of his career, he's released at the end of the thousand years. We'll see why in a few moments. And then finally stage six, the devil will go to hell. The devil's never been in hell. People think, oh, the devil's in hell. He's never been in hell. He's not even in current day hell, Hades. He's not in the lake of fire yet. This is still in the future. This is going to happen. Then chapter 13, we're introduced to two key players, the Antichrist and the false prophet, who will capture the hearts of millions, perhaps billions of people. When men reject the truth, what do they do? They believe a lie. Look at chapter 13, verse 4. They worship the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? And who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act 42 months was given to him. And so powerful will these two be, the chapter closes in verse 16, saying, And he causes all... The small and the great, the rich and the poor, 
and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. And so we studied this coming great economic reset. It will happen during this time. No one will be able to buy or sell anything. I think some presets are unfolding in our day, getting the world ripe for it. If you enjoyed today's message, remember that you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program GPS 031. And don't forget that you can also download the Search the Scriptures app where you can listen to the entirety of the God's Prophetic Schedule series at any time. Just type Search the Scriptures in the iTunes and Google Play Store, or you can listen online at searchthescriptures.org. We hope that you will join us tomorrow as we continue to Search the Scriptures.